all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His Word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Okay, things go wrong sometimes, huh? Hebrews chapter 4. Would you open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 4? And uh, we're going to talk about God's promise, your rest. Now remember, as we're going through this book, I remind you all the time that Hebrews was written to Jewish believers who were struggling with the temptation to turn from Christ because of persecution, because of uh, just peer pressure, to instead of just following Christ in faith, to go back to the old sacrificial system of the law of Moses. And uh, they were tempted to trade back the new covenant for the old covenant. And this book is still relevant today. You think, well, what's that have to do with me? I'm not going back to the Old Testament. Well, hopefully you're both in the old and the new. But it is relevant today to anyone who's tempted to turn from Christ to anything else. Come on. You know anybody who's backslidden? You know anybody who's the, who has once was walking with the Lord and then they either got tied up in a cult or they backslid or they got into an addiction, all kinds of things. Maybe it happened to you once, right? So it's, there's always the danger of turning back. And so the book of Hebrews is famous for that because our trust, our confidence, our rest are in Christ alone. You won't find rest in drugs or sin or that cult out there. There's all kinds of things tugging on you and whispering in your ear, come this way, this is the answer, go that way. Oh man, it's Jesus Christ. Can I save you a bunch of trouble? Our rest, our confidence, our trust is in Jesus Christ alone. And if you turn back to trust anything but Jesus, you're making an awful mistake. Whether it's, you know, a lot of people, real confident, self-confident, well, I can handle this, I'm, I'm good. They trust in themselves rather than God. Or, you know, their good works or anything else. So we go through this book to remind us there's no better way. Anything but Jesus is a mistake. Anything but Jesus is a tragedy. And so we rest in Christ. He's our provision. He made that provision on the cross for us. And there's rest in none other. And in today's text, it reiterates all these truths and more. Now, once again, I'll remind you that in verse 1 of our text, we're in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. In verse 1, it says, therefore. Therefore, it starts out. Now, verse, verse 1, uh, we're always seeing a therefore. If you notice, I, just for fun, I did, a search in the, uh, I did a search in the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews alone, therefore is found 28 times. Therefore, I'm going to talk about Therefore. No, actually, 28 times the word therefore. And so what that means is every time we hear therefore, we're going to have to go back and do some reviewing. 
And so I want to make sure that you get this, get the flow of this. Now, remember that there were no chapter breaks. You know, this was one long letter. There are no chapter four, chapter five. There are no chapter breaks when, when the author wrote this. And so we're going to back up a little bit and get the flow of the therefore. I want to back up all the way to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. And let's just start there. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Verse 16, For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. We'll talk more about that in a second. Verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you have come short of it. Okay, Father... Before we go any further, I pray that you would help us to get what you're trying to say to us. Lord, I know the book of Hebrews, people have jumped to all kinds of conclusions and read it wrong. Lord, we want to see your heart. We want to hear from you today. And Lord, speak to us as we look at your word in this very serious text. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you, especially if you've struggled with sin recently, you read this text and it's a little scary to you. You think, well, what if I, what if I cross the line? What if I, I want to start out with a little bit of assurance here, okay? I want to remind you that our right standing with God has nothing to do with our goodness and our righteousness. He's not talking about, be careful that you don't make a mistake. Be careful that you don't trip up. The, the warning is against flat out turning away from Christ, okay? So, as a matter of fact, remember Romans 5.1. Therefore, there's another one. We won't go back on this one. But therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What justifies you before God? Trust. Faith. Trusting him. Our faith. Excuse me. I'm glad I got the mute button anyway. Uh, our faith is our key to peace with God. Let me, let me give you a couple more verses. You've heard this one before. 2 Corinthians 5.21. That God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How am I made righteous before God? How are you made righteous before God? The divine swap. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was treated the way your sins deserve to be treated, so that as we have faith, as we trust in the Messiah to save us, the divine swap takes place and Jesus was punished for your sins and mine so that as we trust in him, there's a divine swap. He got my sins, I get his righteousness. That doesn't sound fair. But if we got what was fair, it wouldn't be good. I'm glad it's not fair because I get his righteousness. And by the way, that's the only way anybody is ever righteous before God. Not because you have perfect attendance at church or whatever you think. The only way anybody's ever righteous before God is the divine swap. You're either righteous with Christ's righteousness or you ain't righteous, okay? The divine swap is the only way. I know I should have put that verse in my notes because I would love to preach on it. Let's move along to the next. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. 
It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Here's the thing. Over and over again, we're told in the scripture, how are we saved? Well, by doing everything right and never doing anything wrong. No. Oh, man, I'll tell you something. Your pastor struggles with this because I was raised in a religion that always taught me you had to keep your P's and Q's and jump through the hoops. And there's often, you, you could talk to my wife, I tell her, I feel guilty. Why? I feel like I should be doing more. I should be, I, I listen to the news about Ukraine. I feel like I should do something about, what can I do about it, you know? I mean, but that's, that's the flesh, okay? But God wants me to know, and he wants you to know, by grace have we been saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves. It's a gift. You ever get a gift? You ever try to pay for a gift? How would you like that? Guys, if you give your wife a gift, and she goes, how much do I owe you? It's a gift of God, not of works. Why does God have to keep saying it? Because we're thick-headed. We need to hear it over and over again. Not lest they, another thing he says, lest anyone should boast. Because if you got saved by your own works, we'd never hear the end of it. Heaven would be a terrible place. You want to know how I got here? We, we don't need that, right? Okay, so here's the thing I want you to get up front because there are warnings in here. There are scary verses in here, but I want you to get the feel of God's heart to you. So I added a um, fill-in that'll help you get it. As a matter of fact, I stole this from Dr. Michael Heiser uh, concerning the security of the saints. I like his view on it. And it's, it's, it's your first fill-in. That which cannot be attained through moral perfection cannot be lost through moral imperfection. Let me say it again. You got to get this. That which cannot be attained through moral perfection cannot be lost through moral imperfection. You didn't get saved by you. You don't get lost by you messing up. You got saved by his good works, okay? Now, there is some things God requires of you, and we'll talk about that, but it's not be perfect uh, by never sinning. There is a verse that says be perfect, but it means be complete in him, and we're not going to go there right now. But listen, the, the fear that we should have is found in verse 1. I think Jeremy talked about this earlier. He was trying to steal my message. But uh, in verse 1, it says, uh, well, let me just read the whole thing. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. I almost called today's message, let us fear, but nobody would come to church if I did that, okay? Let us fear. But really, what do we fear? Is coming short of what God has for us. Uh, it's not talking about fearing that somehow, what if I sin? What if I make a mistake? Let me just take that off your chest right now. You will. What if I blow it? What if I backslide? What if I ever do anything wrong? I'm saved now. What if I sin? Don't worry, you will. Now, don't plan on it, and don't live sloppy agape. Don't live carelessly. But the fact is that our fear shouldn't be, I'm going to mess up, because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That means when I do sin, matter of fact, uh, I think it's in First John, it could be chapter 2, that says, brethren, I write these things to you that you might not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous one. Uh, good stuff. Okay, now, here's your next fill-in. Our fear, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, should be a holy fear that we be not somehow deceived into turning from Christ. The word is deceived. The phrase is turning from Christ. Now you think, oh no, the, that can't happen to a real Christian. You can never be deceived. Well, do you know any Christians who've thought that sin was a good idea and they backslid? Don't point. 
Do you know any Christians who got caught up into a cult because some cult came knocking on their door and they thought, yeah, that sounds good, and they got deceived, right? So even Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, he says this. Paul wrote this. But I fear, again, there's that word fear again. I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's so Simple, folks. Memorize 2 Corinthians 5.21, John 3.16, many of the verses we talk about regularly. It's so simple. Your answer's in Jesus. But Paul says, oh, I fear for you that somehow you be tricked, deceived, into looking for another way other than the simplicity that's in Christ. Now, what we must maintain is not moral perfection, though I've always told you, since God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm now righteous, and I spend the rest of my life trying to act like who I am. He's made me righteous. I'm clean before God. I've got the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ in me. And so I spend the rest of my life trying to bring my behavior up to where, what is it? My practice up to my position. My behavior up to what he's made me to be. True. So don't, don't throw that away, okay? But our, our fear, or what we must maintain, is our faith. Because there's so many deceivers in the world. I'll tell you something. Today, that's why we're going through a faith-building series right now on, on Wednesday night. And we'll take a break this Wednesday. But we're going through it because so many people are telling you science has outdated, made the Bible out, outdated. Science has proven the Bible wrong. And we know now this is true, so the Bible can't be true. Oh, that's not true. Or the cults will come and knock on your door and say, oh, did they tell you this? Oh, it's really that. And they're trying to deceive you. We're surrounded by deceivers all the time. And so Paul is concerned about it, and the writer of Hebrews is dealing with it right here. Now, look at verse 1 again. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you should have come short of it. So now, there's reasons to fear It's funny because uh, I remember there used to be a famous saying that everybody would say, uh, there's, there's the fear not 365 times in the Bible. One for every day of the year. I heard a, a pastor I love say that one time. And that was just when computers start coming out. And I had my computer software. And that's so cool. Let me find all 365. There isn't. Oh, you know, be careful what you say, because could, people could look it up on software right now. I looked it up, and it says, fear not, in the Bible, fear not. Are you ready for this? Eleven times. Now, you keep searching, you could look up, do not be afraid, and 50 times. It's there, but, you know, sometimes our cute little sayings, it's for 350, 365 times, one for every day, be careful, look it up when you hear stuff, and don't repeat it unless you, fact check, boy, you, you on social media? Fact check. I saw somebody once posted something. It says, Has you, have you fact checked that? And they says, no, I agree with everything it says. Why should I fact check it? <laughs> fact check, okay? All right, so why do we not fear? Because we trust God. Fear and faith are opposites. You could be afraid or you could trust God. That, those are polar opposites. So trust God. But why should we fear if we're not trusting God? Why should you fear if somebody's not walking with the Lord, they got reason to fear? If you're not trusting in God, well, you've got reason to fear. There's no rest, no peace for those who are not trusting God, who are not walking in faith. Um, you know, the, the idea is carried on in Hebrews 3, all throughout the rest of the book, 
that, that unbelief is what kept the, the generation of Hebrews out of the promised land. I know you see disobey or they did not obey, but over and over again, the word disobedience and faith is, is traded off because, and the bottom line, matter of fact, if you look at uh, verse 19 of chapter 3, I didn't put this on PowerPoint, but it says, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. You could say disobedience a few times too in there, but I'll tell you something, the bottom line is, if you believe, you're going to obey. I told you before, if I says, folks, I just got news. There's a bomb that's going to go off in the gym, and it's going off in a minute and a half. How do I tell? How do I know who believes me? You're moving, okay? So faith has action behind it. So it's pretty interchangeable, okay? So this idea is found throughout the book of Hebrews, and specifically talking about the, uh, the generation that escaped Egypt and entered into Canaan, and the promise remains of entering his rest, and we could enter that rest too. I mean, they didn't. The first generation didn't. But we could enter that rest by faith. That's it, folks. Wouldn't it be terrible if I said, you could enter that rest. Here's a list of 59 things you have to do to enter the rest. That's not rest. Trusting God is rest. Because unbelief causes us to fall short of the rest that God has for us. Matter of fact, I had a friend when, uh, as a young Christian when we were first involved in ministry at Calvary Downey back in the old days. And he, he always had this saying, I might have said it to you. Um, he'd say, unbelief is the thief. It's true. It rhymes, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Because it it's, it's true. We've got to walk in faith. And anytime anything brings you to doubt God's word or to not believe God or not trust Jesus, that's going to rip you off. And you're not going to have any peace. You know what I'm talking about? Ever, ever experienced that kind of thing? So here's, I've got a bunch of villains now. Are you ready? Because uh, there's an old Puritan commentator, John Owens, and he described five features of God's rest for the believer. So I'm giving this to you because I thought it was worth uh, putting in your fill-ins. It kind of left no room for uh, your personal notes because I put so many fill-ins today, but that's okay. Listen, here it is from John Owens. Number one, rest means peace with God. That's that Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Number two, rest means freedom from a servile bondage like spirit in the worship and service of God. You're not like, oh, am I doing it right? Oh, I have to do it like, it's freedom that you just worship the Lord. Number three, rest means deliverance from the burden of the Mosaic observance. Have you ever read the Old Testament? When I first got saved, I started reading the Old Testament, reading the law of Moses and all the things that they were supposed to do, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. Of course, there's no temple right now. And you've got to go to the temple and make sacrifices. And every day there's the evening and morning sacrifice and all the different things you read in the Torah. And I'm going, you know, as a, as a new Christian, I thought, I'm going I'm to read the Bible and do it. And I read the Old Testament first because it's before the new. And it depressed me. I realized, you, you know what, most of the law, the majority of it is there so you could see you need Jesus. <laughs> You can't do this. He fulfilled the law for us. Praise the Lord. Okay, so it's, it means deliverance from the burden of the Mosaic observance. Number four, rest means freedom of worship according to the gospel. You know, the Bible says that God is spirit and those who would worship and worship in spirit and in truth. And if you look at John chapter 4 where that verse is, Jesus is saying it doesn't matter where you're at. You don't have to be at his temple or her temple or the, the, you know, the temple in Jerusalem. or the Yeah, you don't have to jump through the roofs. You wear the right clothes, be at the right position on your knees. It's spirit and in truth. Freedom of worship. Number five, rest means the rest that God himself enjoys. We're going to talk about that today if I don't talk about too much other stuff before we finish our text. But we're talking about entering God's 
Sabbath rest. This is what we're going to look at in this text today. Because God rested from his works on the seventh day, he invites you to enter into his rest. Now, I especially, and I, I quite often use the New Living Translation. I especially like the way verse 1 is in the New Living. I was delighted, by the way, I, I got a glimpse of um, Greg Laurie's New Believers Bible that he's handing out, and he's using the New Living Translation. What a perfect, it's accurate, and it's in modern English, and it, it's, not, it's not compromising. It's good, and it just tells it like it is. Okay, so here's the New Living, Hebrews 4.1. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So... We ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to, listen to this word, experience it. Have you ever not experienced God's peace? You know, the, the fact is, there are people all the time, there are people who are right with God, but they don't think they are. People who are forgiven and saved, but they're not sure they are. Because the devil loves to play with your head, okay? Now, God's peace and rest is something tangible, it's something you could experience here and now. You don't have to wait to die and go to heaven. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. Uh, Colossians three fifteen. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. I just want to remind you of something as I'm looking at this Colossians verse. There's times God tells you to do it. You don't wait for it to happen. Well, if God wants me to be thankful, he'll make me thankful. I'm waiting. Well, it says be thankful, so repent and be thankful, okay? It says here, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Sometimes you don't have peace because you're just not letting God's peace in. You're, you're focusing all the wrong things and getting all, working yourself up to a lather over nothing, and God says, will you relax and just trust me? So, the peace of God, something tangible. It's something you could experience in this life here and now. It's something that you shouldn't have to wait to die to get. You don't have to die and go to heaven before we can have the peace of God. And the peace of God, can I tell you? The peace of God comes from peace with God. And it comes through faith, trusting Jesus. Again, Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How'd you get right with God? Trust in Jesus. Well, didn't you have to belong to a church, be a member, go through their, their uh, baptismal classes, then get baptized, and then uh, go door to door, and then, no, that's a cult. Well, not that you don't have to do that, not that it's not a good idea, but cults will make you feel like you're not saved until you get under my thumb, and I get you to do everything I'm telling you. You've got to jump through our hoops, and even then, I'm not sure you're saved. Just keep, keep doing what I tell you to do. That's what a cult will do. It'll keep you always wondering, always guessing. You know what? True faith is, is just, we're, we're justified by faith through Jesus Christ and, and, and you have peace with God, okay? So, can I tell, tell you, I mean, why would anybody want to turn from that? Why would anybody want to, no, I like worrying and working and, and trying to earn myself. Why would anybody give up the real thing that God gives you legitimate peace from trusting Jesus and turn from that? Never go back. And that's why in the next couple of verses, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, the word gospel means good news. They had good news, we get good news. Uh, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Because of not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they 
shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. I'm telling you something. Um, it's all about faith. Trusting God. Not work. A cult will focus on work. Work, work, work. Oh gosh, I just thought of a fun story that helps. You know, I'm going to tell it, even though I might run out of notes, uh, time for my notes. I remember hearing a story years ago that I thought, it wasn't really geared for cults, but I thought it's a perfect example of the difference between a Christian and a cult member. It's not a true story. There are the dogs hanging on the corner and talking. Not so. It's not. It's not a true story. Okay, but and and one dog says, "Yep, I'm the fastest dog around. Nothing is faster than me." And all the dogs go, "Really?" And they'd race, and he'd always win. And they go, "How do you get so fast?" I'm just. There's nothing faster than me. And all of a sudden, a rabbit came out. They go, "All right, fat, speedy, go catch him." And the dog went after him. Run around the tree. Run around the bush. Run around the house. Run around the black. And he lost the rabbit. He came back, and his, his dogs, his buddies, never let him hear the end of it. They go, I thought you were so fast. And the dog says, yeah, well, got to keep in mind, I was just running for my lunch. He was running for his life. <laughs> now, the, the biting humor of it is, that's what the cults do. They make people work, and they're running for their life. They make them work. They go door to door, and they got to jump through the hoops, and they're trying, to, they're trying to stay alive. I don't want to go to hell, or I don't want to lose grace of God. And they, they make them, that's the difference between the rabbit and the dog. When a Christian works, my meat, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. When a Christian works, he's just getting filled up. It's good for him. It's not like, if I don't do this, I'm going to hell. That's the difference between a cult and a dog. Okay, listen, I get sidetracked, but I just thought, I remember that story, I had to tell it. Okay, so our key today is faith, trusting God. And, and, and that's what all these verses we're going to look at today is dealing with. It's amazing, by the way, how two people could be sitting in the same pew. One person is all excited hearing the word of God being preached, and they're, going, they're glowing, the light's going on, and someone sitting right next to them might be going, what are you having for lunch? You know what? You're missing out unless you're listening to the word and mingling it with faith. Going, I believe that. It's true. I believe that. You mingle it with faith. You believe God's word. It makes all. Jesus. He's the resurrection. The love of we hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.